when we talk here today about um, Jesus being the epicenter of our future days, we know our eternity is with him, we serve him in eternity, something our, com our uh, finite minds cannot comprehend what that means, but we serve him in eternity, there's no sorrow, there's joy unending. For those who don't know Christ as their Savior, this is as close to heaven as it's ever going to look. It gets a lot worse from here. Those who do know Christ as their Savior, this is as close to hell as it's ever going to look like. It gets a lot better from here. So we have good news coming for us in the future days. So quite a lot can be said about Jesus being the epicenter of our future days. There's so many scriptures we could look at today, uh, but not enough time to go in depth on such an important topic. So I want to be brief today in what I'm sharing. Um, you know, so many people today are so concerned about their future, for themselves, for their families. Uh, there's so much out there flying around in the airwaves of life, the radio waves of life, uh, that tries to bring us into a fear for the future. And, but you've got to remember something, nothing you're ever going to hear in secular media, on television, on the internet, is ever going to point you to Jesus. Ever. As he is the answer to all those concerns. They'll never point you to that. And so, yet isn't that the reality and the truth that Jesus does hold my future? If my faith is in him alone. Uh, in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 out of the Amplified Bible, we have Jesus speaking. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is existing forever and who was continually existing in the past, who is to come, the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the Ruler of all. Wow. Here we have in the book of Revelation, Jesus revealing himself as the Christ in eternity, as he is, past, present, and future are in him. All future is found in him, whether, in, whether we're in the physical body or not. Uh, our finite minds can't comprehend that. Past, present, and future are happening simultaneously in the mind of God. And uh, you'd have to be God to understand that, so we just accept it. And uh, my future is in him. If I can trust Jesus for my past, am I today? I can certainly trust him for my tomorrow. Uh, so it's faith in Jesus that guides our days ahead. He holds my days ahead. He is my tomorrow. He is all my tomorrows. He is tomorrow. We need to really embrace that. And I have a rest in him from all my works and my efforts because he pleases the Father for me. Very important that we always remember that. I don't have to do anything to please God. Because certainly the church over the centuries has had a works mentality. If you ask people what they should do to please God, they can give you a whole list. The answer is nothing. Because when the Father looks at me, he looks at Jesus and he's satisfied. I can add nothing to it. He's pleased already because of Jesus. I just live out the way I normally am supposed to live in his grace. He's pleasing to the Father for me. That's good news. I can't work hard enough, right? I can't give enough money. I can't lead enough to Christ. We're impressed with that stuff. He's not. He is pleased just because of Jesus. That means he's on my rest. We learned that in the book of Hebrews. He's my rest from all my works and efforts that could never have pleased the Father. That's good news. You can breathe. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just live out your goodness. Right? If you're a little orphan kid in a, in a, in a poor area and some wealthy family uh, uh, adopts you, you can rest. Poverty is a thing of the past. Right? Because of Jesus, 
a distance from the Father God is a thing of the past. I'm now welcomed. It's good news. So yet when we say Jesus is the epicenter of our future, you know, do we really believe this? Perhaps how we make our future plans reveals what we really believe. Now, I'm not talking to the folks here today, but too many people I've met over the years treat God like a good luck charm. I'll make my own decisions, cross my fingers, and hope God will bless it. I think many people out there make their own future plans without consulting the Lord first. And so in the reality, they're the center of their own futures. But what happens? Doesn't that often just lead to frustration? And then when they find frustration, what do they do? They blame God. He deserted me. He wasn't there for me. He let me down. He wasn't in your future for the first in the first place. You didn't want him. You want yourself. No, no way. You know, in fact, here in Tom's River, uh, if those who are listening on the internet don't know where we are, in Tom's River, New Jersey, there's a motto on the township flag. It was put there by a Christian. And it says in Latin, homo cogitit deus indicat, which means in English, man plans, God decides. How about that? Isn't that true? Man plans, but God decides. And we should always be remembered of, uh, not to forget that. You know, Father God has the final word. Yes, Father knows best. Those who are old enough to remember. And if you're not, I don't care. So anyway, uh, the book of James. We get a great insight in James chapter 1, verse 15, where he writes, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. You know, being in the Lord's will is what matters. You know, that is the most asked question in the history of Christianity, no matter what century, what church or denomination, what is God's will for my life? Did you realize that? That is the most asked question in the history of Christianity and is to this very day. What is God's will for my life? When we read the word of God, we find his general will for our life that we walk in. And as we apply that, he gives us more light on a very personal level. So my point is that we should always have plans found in him, in his will and subject to his will. That's what James tells us. You know, planning in his will is what matters for our future, that we have Jesus always at the center of those plans. And so today, I want to just briefly share to you uh, by mentoring three scriptures that we need to re be reminded of ourselves. We need to keep this in mind whenever the attacks come with concerns and fears that the world would have us live in and put us into bondage towards that we remind ourselves of these first. Because the enemy out there, the evil one, has a will for your life to make you his slave, to put you in bondage to fear, to make you under his thumb what Jesus has redeemed you from. The enemy has been crushed by the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. He is defeated. And we are the only ones that give him entrance into our lives. He has a plan for your life. Reject it. He wants to put you into a bondage with fear and lies. Reject it. Uh, so it's very important that we uh, not follow his plans for our days. So first scripture I want to pass on to you. you a lot of you already know this. This is in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is uh, the prophet saying, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. 
This is a scripture we should have highlighted in our Bibles or in the back of your Bible where you have notes that you make that we should go back to over and over again. We need to remind ourselves of this truth over and over again. Isn't it good to know he has plans for me? Think about that for a second. Isn't that good to know he has plans for me? Some, a lot of folks in the natural have had good fathers and mothers that had plans for their children and their lives have prospered because they listened to mom and dad. Very few people have plans on their own apart from what their parents would present to them. Very few do. And usually there's selfish dumb plans. So your parents sit you down the road, they help you plan your life out, and they give you good advice. How much more? Father God has plans for me. Plans for my family, for me. The point is, I want his plans, not my plans. I want to pray about this. We need to pray and seek Him and discover the plans that He has for you and me. We're all still on a discovery journey. We don't really have it in full. I mean, the new that comes ahead to us, there's new plans. This has been a very bizarre, strange year. There's new plans. Father, God always has plans for us. New plans. We need to discover what they are. And as I discover His plans... I should embrace them then as vision for my life. And if I embrace them for vision for my life, I stop making career decisions and I start making vision decisions. Hey, some people here really need to hear this. So I've got to start making vision decisions and stop trying to make your own career decisions. Learn it young. Make vision decisions on what the Lord has planned for you and walk in those plans, which you need to discover decisions for my life to conform to the plans he has for me. So if Christ is the center, the epicenter of my future, how I plan does matter, right? We realize that Latin phrase, man plans but God decides, really becomes important. I don't want, uh, you know, uh, my plans for the future. Even if you're retiring and, and, and you're a senior citizen, you still want his plans. Your plans are still subject to this world and you don't want them. You want his plans. You know, we need to accept his plans that they will succeed. And that my plans apart from him will only produce my own selfishness and my own troubles. Hope you're getting that. How about if we put your right hand up? I know you all took showers. Put your right hand up. Say this after me. Father God, I embrace your plans for my life. I'll do it again. Father God, I embrace your plans for my life. Amen. Okay, second scripture I want to share uh, regarding our future and Jesus at the center of it comes from Isaiah 33, verse 6. Let's go to verse 5. The Lord is exalted and he dwells on high and he has filled Zion with justice and righteousness and he will be the stability of your times. A wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. And he will be the stability of your times. I want to choose a scripture here that spoke of Jesus in our days ahead. And for the believer, he's the stability of our times. That's a very important scripture on, on the side here uh, for our own local church. Before the Church of Grace and Peace was the Church of Grace and Peace, we were Song of Solomon prayer meeting back in the 70s that met in the home of the Healy's. And that was a scripture prophetically given to them about the future days of where that prayer meeting would one day go, which has become the Church of Grace and Peace, that Jesus would be the stability of our times. 
And boy, if anything, that, that fits for the days we live in right now and the days to come. Jesus is the stability of my times. Uh, isn't it good to know we don't have to fumble and stumble around in some vague tomorrow that we're unsure of? Right? The news media would present to you that tomorrow's unstable. They have all your answers. Don't fix your eyes on that lie. Right? For those of you who know anything about Star Trek, Star Trek is a showcase for humanism. The future's bright because it doesn't have God in it. It has man in it, and man has solved all the problems. No, he hasn't, and no, he ever will. Right now, he has the ability to destroy all life on planet Earth. Man always got it wrong. He always will get it wrong. We just think we're smarter than our fathers before us. Not true. Man's plans will always be for a disaster where man destroys man. He doesn't have my future. He doesn't have my answers. There's not some magical vaccine, then everything will be wonderful again because man has the answers. No, my God has my answers. He is the stability of my times. Men will never be the stability of my times. I don't trust them. <laughs> Haven't trusted them for centuries. Not going to trust them today. Don't trust them for tomorrow. Jesus is the stability of my times. Isn't that good to know? We don't have to go through the school of hard knocks to find our way out of this maze of an unknown future. If I keep my eyes on Jesus and I follow the wisdom and direction of his word as it's applied to my life, he is my stability for me, for my family, no matter what challenges the day ahead can bring us. Right? My, our future is secure in him. You need to remind yourself of this because you're going to hear the complete opposite all day long. Every time you see somebody with a mask, you're seeing the opposite all day long. Right? Right? Uh, and, you know, I don't know the details of tomorrow, but I do know because of Jesus, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, you need to talk to yourself. You talk to yourself all day anyway. Don't lie to me. Yes, you do. Some are more vocal than others. If you don't talk to yourself, you don't have a brainwave. Everybody talks to themselves. What are you saying is what matters. Most people worry. That's the talk to themselves. The unsurety. You need to talk to yourself. Who, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. People think you're crazy. Who cares? They think so anyway. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. You need to talk to yourself. My future is secure in him. We need to remind ourselves of this joy because we're getting discouraged from it day by day. We need to remind ourselves of the joy ahead, not the misery ahead. Right? There's an enemy out there who does not want you to think like this. He wants to rob you of your peace. Don't make him happy. Because he can't take it from you unless you give it to him. He cannot take it from you unless you give it to him. It's like the uh, bar of soap in the shower. If you squeeze it too hard, it pops out of your hand. He puts pressure on you for you to give it up because he can't take it from you. And, he gives it up, and we give it up through believing in his lies, his deception, the pressures of life. Instead of reminding myself, oh, goodness and mercy, are going to follow me all the days of my life. Every morning I get up, I say, thank you, Lord, I receive good news today. I receive blessings today. I choose to walk today in the kind intention of your will towards me. Every morning I say that. That scriptures like this, that we should constantly have that on our lips. Jesus, you are the stability of my times. Let's do it. Put your hands up in the air. Let's go. Jesus. You are the stability of my times. Oh, convince yourself. Jesus, you are the stability of my times. Oh, amen, amen, amen.
A third scripture I want to share with you is regarding Jesus as the center of our future. And it's a personal favorite of mine. It's, uh, I'm doing the sermon, I get to do it. <laughs> when you're up here, you can do it. I do mine. This is Psalm 138, verse 8, out of the Amplified Bible. The Lord will accomplish that which concerns me. Your unwavering loving kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. My future, uh, I hold on to this truth that the Lord will accomplish what is regarding me. That's a scripture in my Bible that's highlighted. It's in the back of my Bible notes. I look at it frequently. So what issues regard you? What areas regard you? What matters of life are, are you all about? What pertains to you? Perhaps as a parent, a grandparent, your health, your marriage, your finances. The Lord will accomplish all that concerns me. I'm not going to do that apart from him. I trust him. He'll make it work out. He will accomplish what concerns me. I'm sure you might remember the bicycle analogy. When you're riding a bicycle, if you look at the, at, at the tire, you're going to wobble and fall down and you're going to go off. But when you look at the bicycle, but you look ahead down the road, you, you, you ride in a straight line. I know some of you don't, but you're riding a straight line. We have to look down the road. He's looking down the road for me because all I can see is in front of me. He does look down the road for me that it goes in a straight line, his line. It's very important that the works that the Lord has appointed to me, even beyond that, for me to bring in for my generation to advance the kingdom of God are far more important. He will accomplish what concerns me, right? Some of you, I'm sure, still need to discover that. How will God use you to impact the kingdom of God? doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. He always has plans for us that will accomplish the kingdom of God. I've met many, many people. What you would call, quote, their ministry started when they retired. Amazing. I mean, that's when their life almost began. I knew this one brother in the Lord. He just could never, I don't know how to put it in words, make it as a preacher. He never could quite make it. So he was, he was a biology teacher all his life in high school. Or, yeah, high school. But him and his wife used to do uh, children's uh, camps every summer. Anyway, he retired from being a biology teacher, but it had been known that he taught on prayer. He became an international demand for the rest of his life, traveling the world, teaching on intercessory prayer. He used to take naps in between teachings. <laughs> he was too old. And he lived well into his 80s teaching on prayer. And that was his most fruitful years in the kingdom of God. Amazing. Amazing. That's the way it is. There's always new plans the Lord has for us. Uh, and he will accomplish what concerns us. You know, uh, so may the Lord accomplish all that concerns me, all that pertains to me, all that's about me. Lord, accomplish it in the glory of my days here. Let's, come on, put that hand up here. Let's just say that. Lord Jesus, accomplish all that concerns me. Right, do it again. Lord Jesus, accomplish all that concerns me. As we're moving on here, due to time here, I'd like to move to communion. Uh, you can fumble around with this very clever thing here that you do not spill juice on yourself or you have to explain yourself to your wife who will not understand. And that has happened to me. So do it very carefully. Open it up. Don't spill. Ah, it worked. Good. Uh, you know, uh, 
A better name for communion, if you want to be very biblical, is the covenant meal. We're experiencing here a covenant meal. We are partaking in a covenant meal. Uh, we can't go in detail today due to time about how to make a covenant, but this is called a meal of peace because we are in covenant and there's a peace that takes place. And you know, very similar to marriages, marriage is making a covenant. And when you look at how marriage is made, you're watching a covenant take place. And of course, when people uh, finally have their vows, they're getting married, and they leave the church, they go to a banquet, right? That is a covenant meal. They celebrate a covenant has now taken place. And right in church, you have the two sides of the families all sit in different sections. Now they come together because those families are at peace. At least we hope they are. And uh, they're at peace. A covenant meal of, of celebration is taking place. Well, here Jesus has made the covenant meal. Uh, we have, he's made the covenant for us, and we partake in it because we are now at peace with Almighty God because of him. In fact, Almighty God has now become Father God. Mind blower. And he's because he's Father God because of Jesus' accomplished works of the cross and the empty grave. That's heavy stuff. And we sit down and have a covenant meal. Hey, when people get married, every single year after that, they have something called an anniversary. And they go out to eat. What are they doing? They're celebrating the covenant that took place. They're remembering the covenant that took place. Look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, we have Paul writing, in the same way he took the cup also after supper, they had their meal of peace, and Jesus is saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What are you doing? The covenant meal, it's your covenant anniversary meal. You're remembering the covenant. So every time we're here to receive communion, our covenant meal, we're having an anniversary celebration. Do you realize that? Every time you get together, you do this. What are you doing? You're remembering the covenant. Just like in marriages, they remember their anniversary once a year. They remember the covenant. We're doing that right now. We're having an anniversary meal. We're remembering the covenant. And in Psalm 138, verse 8, which we read before, we see a common Old Testament word called loving kindness. Your unwavering loving kindness. That's not understood well in our culture. It's better understood in English as your covenant love towards me. That's what loving kindness basically means. Your covenant love, because I'm in covenant with you, you're showing love towards me. Your covenant love will not waver. Your covenant love is, being, is aggressing me. Hopefully, if you're married, you have a covenant love aggressing your spouse. You're faithful to them. One of the biggest, biggest things you could ever ask of your spouse is, be faithful to me. Be loyal to me. And we should be loyal to death. That's a covenant loyalty. That's what covenants are about. Jesus was loyal to death for me and for you and, and, and had victory over it for me and for you. So as we take the bread today and the cup, we do this. We remember it's our anniversary covenant meal. We remember that we're under a covenant of a love relationship with Jesus. And I use the word under because there's a protection. I'm under it. There's a protection and a shelter for me, especially in the days ahead. Because we're talking about Jesus, the epicenter of our future. I have, I'm under a protection in the days ahead. 
That's why people pray Psalm 91, no plague shall come near my dwelling. That's right. That's a covenant prayer. So Jesus is now my covenant partner. So therefore, my days ahead are secure in him. My future is Jesus. Why would I ever doubt that my future would not be? In John 10, it, uh, Jesus says, no one shall snatch them out of my hand. And in the same verse, he says, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That's good news. I can't snatch myself out of his hand, dopey as I can be. He knows how to keep me. Wow. He accomplishes all that concerns me. Wow. My future is secure because of his covenant love. So as we partake today in this covenant meal, we're supposed to be reminding ourselves who holds our future. Him, not me. He's the alpha, the omega to me, the beginning and the end to me because his covenant was made in this meal of peace that I'm going to share right now. So we partake in this covenant meal today. As we do so, let's just profess our faith again. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, my confidence is in you. My days ahead. My eternity is secure in you. It's secure in your hands. I trust you, Lord Jesus, the epicenter of my present and future. Let's partake. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'm in the covenant. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your covenant faithfulness. These are the things that should be coming out of our mouth when we do the covenant meal. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I trust you in my days ahead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're my covenant faithful partner. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's close in prayer here. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we're in covenant. Because of Jesus, we're in covenant. We thank you, Lord God. Our days are secure in you. Tomorrow looks real, real good because of you. Thank you, Jesus. Reveal, Lord God, your plans to us, those mighty things that we still do not yet know. Reveal to us, Lord God, how you would use us in our generation to be your representatives. We receive it, Lord. We respond to your plans, Father, in our hearts with a yes. And we thank you, Lord God. There is excitement in the days ahead because they're your days. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.